This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. What is it today? It's International Museum Day. But guess what? In our country, we continue to see the closing of cultural landmarks. And this is concerning. And here on Power Talk, we have spoken to a number of people. Lilith Leaf Farm, uh, we have spoken to them to understand what exactly is going on and other uh, you know, points of attraction that are under threat of closure. Some blaming COVID-19 and others just talking and pointing fingers to an unsustainable funding model in our country. South Africa's Apartheid Museum closed temporarily in line with the government regulations to help cab the spread of COVID-19. It's the latest casualty after dozens of heritage attractions were forced to close. I mean, who can forget? I think we've even seen theaters claiming that they will be shutting their doors for good. This has material impact in how we understand our history, how we archive our history, how we access those archives and how we utilize those archives. If they do close, I mean, where do we then go? What becomes of the material inside those museums? So today, in the spirit of International Museum Day, we are looking at the uh, closely at the closure of some cultural uh, landmarks in our country. And the president of South African Museums Association, uh, Helen Volkraff, joins us on the line. Helen, good morning and welcome to Power Talk. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. I mean, is it a happy... Uh, International Museum Day on your side, or you are quite concerned about the landscape of museums in our country, South Africa? I think it's a mixed International Museum Day. Um, as you've already said, it's that, and it's not only in South Africa, museums worldwide are suffering from the um, results of, of, of COVID-19. It's not only a South African phenomenon, but a worldwide phenomenon. Mm. Um but on the other side, there are also museums that are um, resilient and are still going on with their programs. So it's also, um, there's also positive stories. Absolutely. Um, and, and also, just to give a bit of background of, of International Museum Day, it is a day that is managed by the International Council of Museums. And that's chosen for this year. Um, the theme, the future of museums recover and recreate. And one of the, the sub-themes is new business models. So this is something that is discussed throughout the world today. I mean, uh, definitely, we might probably even be seeing the rise of virtual museums and not relying on physical uh, structure in terms of museum in museums. How much work is being done in South Africa to do exactly this uh, reimagination in order for this space to recover? Um, I think one of the things that we had to do in the last year was to um, relook at how we use visual uh, um, digital material. And I can see that there's a lot more output on um, like Facebook, other social media. Um, webinars have become quite uh, normal. Um, museums, quite a lot of the smaller museums have been quite resistant um, to um, digital transformation, but this, this last year just forced us. So 
This is now become common practice, and I think that is something that will continue using um, social media for educational platforms. Um, it enables you also to reach broader uh, um, um, audiences. You're not now um, limited to people that can visit your museum. Um, so, yeah, I think there's been quite a major transformation in terms of digital transformation. The problem of digital transformation in the African setup is that um, not everybody's got access to data. Yes. So these these um, things that we've put in place to to survive COVID actually are now uh, starting with a new way of excluding people from um, our museum spaces, and that is something that we will need to address. Um, I find in general that I don't think virtual museums and digital material will replace museums. As people become COVID tired and and um, they actually have a need to go to places again and to meet people at places, so I think it also people are now more appreciating um, spaces where that they can visit with friends. Absolutely. And what happens though, Helen, to some of those artifacts and uh, you know collections that are in those museums today? When we hear that a museum might be closing, what becomes of that material? According to our professional ethics, um, those, those collections must be offered to a similar organization, preferably a museum. Um, and I'm not sure it actually happens in all the cases. So but I, um, according to professional ethics, uh, a museum collection may not be alienated. Um, some of our collections are protected by the Heritage Resources Act. Um, in that you can't just sell them or anything. You have to go through a process to accession them from your collection. But not all the collections are protected in that way. So ideally, they must be given to another museum that can take care of them. And just quickly tell us, what do we know about the status of the Apartheid Museum as we speak today? Are they facing imminent closure or there is a possibility that the situation can be rescued? Um, I'm not based in Johannesburg, so um, I can't really answer on, the, on behalf of Apartheid Museum. My understanding is also that they are closing, um, as, as you said. Um, I haven't heard anything else, but it might be that I'm not up to date with the situation in Johannesburg. And Helen, just as the Museums uh, Association, how have you been you know, conver- in conversation with government, particularly when it comes to issues of boosting local tourism towards museums, driving some traffic, but still adhering to the COVID-19 uh, needed protocols? Have you had any opportunity to be in communication, particularly with the Department of Arts and Culture, Sports and Recreation? There has been opportunities that have reached out to us. Um, we've been consulted in terms of, of support, uh, financial support, but overall very little um, financial support came from the National Department. What you also need to understand is that uh, museums and, and cultural activities is actually a provincial um, competency in terms of our constitution. So your main action should actually happen on a provincial level. And there, um, different provinces have different experiences. So some provincial governments actually do help and they do assist, and um, others may be in less of, of, of a similar position to assist. 
My guest is the president of South African Museums Association, and the line to dial is 0861-987-000 if you do have a question to put to her. Helen, before I go to the line, I just want to ask, I mean, when you talk to some of the uh, cultural heritage sites or, or whatever heritage sites in actual fact, uh, be it political, be it historic, and, and so on, there is this cry that the funding model in our country is somewhat limited in assisting these institutions to thrive. Do you have a view on this issue and whether or not we should relook the funding model for some of these heritage sites? And something that's been discussed before is the way that um, museums, um, how they f- fit into the whole um, spheres, uh, different spheres of government. Um, there's a few national aided, there's a, 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 some of that are provincial, but there's a lot of, of, of community museums. So it's a very unequal field between museums. And I think one do need to think about how one can address that so that um, the playing ground is more equal. Okay, let me just go to Patrick on the line. Please do hold for me, Helen, uh, before I take this call. Patrick, good morning. Uh, how are you, Mclenas? I'm well. How are you today? I'm um, good, thanks. Yes, I wanted to ask a question on the heritage assets. One of the biggest items on government balance sheet is heritage assets. Now, mm. I wanted to know from Helen, other than getting visitors to the museums, is there any other way we can benefit as a country from those heritage assets? Maybe selling them off or trading in them in some sort of way. Okay. I'll put I'll put that question. Thank you very much, uh, Patrick. Um, I'm sure Helen, you did hear what Patrick had to say. Any response to that? Yes, I've heard. <laughs> um, as I said, museums is we don't sell. Um, it is once something is in a museum collection, it stays there forever. Um, that is the basis on which we operate. It does not mean that we can't. Um, work in partnerships with other organizations like having shops, um, promoting um, opportunities for create, for the creative industry to showcase what they do. But our objects, um, it is international law. It is the basis of what a museum is about, is to protect it and to keep it for future generations. So um, if you want to use heritage resources um, to generate funding, um, you have to look to, to heritage resources outside museums. Um, and I think one has to be careful because that is another way. It's a once-off. You get money. And then what? Then it's um, outside the hands of, of it doesn't, it's not accessible to the public anymore. So the whole purpose of this is, is that it belongs to everybody and not to the rich um, few. Mm. Now, Helen, I mean, if we talk broadly uh, for in terms of access to some of these museums, I mean, if you go to KwaZulu-Natal, for example, there, uh, there's a museum just outside Dundee. Um, how, 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 how are you driving, you know, awareness and campaigns to ensure that some of the museums that are great historic, you know, archives because of where they are situated, but they may be somewhat remote, that people are ac- accessing them and that they are aware of them. As an association, is there any work that you do to promote uh, such museums? We are um, not that much. Um, we, we are promoting the museums through our database and having a website. 
Um, but a lot of the marketing is actually done um, despite the national body, we also have regional bodies. And um, a lot of the marketing is done in the regional bodies, um, organizing local uh, um, meetings, uh, organizing, reaching out to, to, to um, um, local organizations, having fairs, for example, in the Western Cape, we have an education fair every two years where we invite all the um, educational departments and schools to come and see what the educational programs are. So that we do work, and I know in case it's is also an educational forum that do that kind of work. Now, I mean, given what we are seeing as a result of the COVID-19, whether you're talking about the Fuga Theatre in Cape Town, the Johannesburg Art Gallery, or even former president, uh, the now late uh, Nelson Mandela's house in Soweto, uh, really crying that they might be closing doors permanently. Uh, I know we spoke about, you know, the transitions, uh, this reimagination that needs to happen for museums, uh, going virtual and all, but you still believe that the museums will remain within the four walls that surround them in some instances. What is it that you pin your hopes on for the future of museums in our country? Um, COVID has forced us to look at how we interact with communities. Um, a lot of the museums that showed resilience um, either have, um, you must either have a very wealthy benefactor, um, which are very few museums, but the museums that showed resilience are the museums that have very good um, relationships with a local community. You look at something like District 6 Museum that has raised a lot of money, over a million rand, um, through their community support. Um, you look at rural museums in the Western Cape that have received a lot of support because they are within their community. So it's the museums that have a very strong local support base that um, is surviving. And I think that is, maybe in the past, people have focused too much on the international tourists. Yes. Um, and I think we have to rethink about how we interact with our local tourists and our local communities. We are talking all things museums here on Power Talk this morning. It is the International Day of Museums, and my guest is the president of South African Museums Association. The line is 0861-987-000. Helen, I've got a, Twitter, a, a, a question for you from Twitter. Uh, Langutani saying, I must ask whether you have considered having virtual tours museums. Is this something that has been done in the country? Yes, there are. Um, I know that the Northwest University Museum are doing this um, locally. Well, for me, locally is Cape Town. Um, that's Mocha are doing this. Um, people also maybe not live tours, um, but but do upload um, virtual uh, um, productions or um, reproductions of their um, exhibitions. It's not something everybody can afford. But it is definitely something that has become more common. And I think one can that is a good thing, but one must, one must always remember it doesn't really replace seeing the work and the objects in real life. It's, it's just... Yeah. It's just an addition. No, absolutely. And Helen, I mean, uh, the other uh, part of it is the skills that are required to run museums. Sometimes we just see them as if it's a 
random collection of items but each museum would have a unique mandate needing curators needing people to run exhibitions and so on uh, what are some of the skill set that are needed in the museum space and are you happy that we as a country are producing enough of them museums is a very um the interdisciplinary um, profession and it's actually quite a lot of, of, of different kinds of skills you have. Mm. Um, what one quite often think of your researchers, your natural historians, and your uh, uh, um, anthropologists, and archaeologists. Um, but it's only the, the big museums that have these specialist researchers. Um, also um, have exhibition designers. Um, behind the scenes, there are people, the conservators and collection managers, people that are experts in archiving collections, documenting them, digitizing them. Um, and then you have your educational and public program staff. So just to put everybody, there is a, a world that you can work in a museum. And the success of a good museum is that they find ways to integrate all these different skill sets. Um, now, for Africa, we don't, we have very few museum um, and, and training opportunities. There's at the University of Victoria, and I know that Soplaiki University is trying to do quite a lot of, of, of work to, to um, improve training. But most of our museum people are um, self-trained. They have a degree um, uh, in history or sociology or art. And then the mythological skills, they um, have to find themselves. So that is where the Museum Association is working, is to produce um, training courses to help with that. Um, certainly, for conservation, which is a very scientific uh, um, process, um, except for the University of Pretoria, there's nothing um, in South Africa where people can um, study for that. So, yeah, there's a lot of more work to be done um, to make sure that our museums, uh, museologists are um, up to international standards. But that doesn't mean we have actually a core of people that can talk with the best in the world. Um, what we need to do is to spread that information that it becomes more accessible and that all museums actually can um, share in that. Absolutely. And for that to happen, there's also awareness needed, some resources uh, that must carry through. We have seen some, you know, uh, universities even having specialized uh, research chairs that try and close a particular gap. Uh, you are mentioning the University of Pretoria. Are you seeing enough funding that is going towards the intellectual process of helping museums to continuously survive and reimagine themselves? where you have seen with the chicken or the egg. Um, because <laughs> a lot of these, I mean, a lot of these courses have done great work and they have great programs. Mm. But your average museum um, staff member don't earn a big salary. It's not the best paid. If you want money, stay out of museums. Um, <laughs> so they, they, they are lucky students because people can't afford to study further. So it is to be able to make these, these courses really economically viable, mm. you need more students. And for that, you need more support for studying. Um, so that is, that is a problem. 
one of the positive things of, of COVID, if one can say there is a positive thing, yes. is that um, a lot more international webinars and training facilities have become um, available. So I think a lot of us have done over the last year have attended international conferences that we couldn't before um, because these are now available online. Now, in, in, in so far as partnerships are concerned, Helen, your association uh, definitely no doubt has a number of global partnerships, global access, conferencing, and all of those things. Somebody listening in and wanting to get in touch with you, interested in doing work in the museum space, do they have an opportunity to do that? Yes, um, we will probably then refer you to a regional committee where you can be more hands-on. Internationally, um, how we um, are structured is that the African Museums Association works um, with, with the African Museums. But we have a sibling organization called the International Council of Museums that have a national committee um, in South Africa, ICOM-SA. And um, we work through ICOM-SA with International Council of Museums we serve on each other's council so that we work together. Um, so, for example, we had last year, we had a conference um, about decolonization um, in museums, and we had a joint conference. It was between SAMA, ICOM SA, and then an international committee from ICOM. So, through ICOM SA, we, we engage uh, with the international museum world. Just lastly, Helen, uh, considerations of, you know, assistance. We have seen a number of relief funds coming from government, whether from a tourism department point of view or arts and culture. Have museums been part of this relief, COVID-19 relief funding mix? And are you happy with the levels of relief given to various uh, uh, members of your association? We did receive funding. Um um, for example, as I said, I'm based in Cape Town, and I know that the Western Cape government gave, gave some funding um, to two museums in the province. I don't, and I know that the, the national department also assisted, but it's not enough. I think that it is the need is just so big, um, but there isn't enough enough funding, and um, in the end, it was just a band. Um, so yes, it it it. it it's a, it's a sad time and it's really um, testing our resilience and our survivor skills. And I mean, business, you said they can be involved, but I mean, uh, can they even, can we see businesses wanting to buy a part of museums or they must just uh, be benevolent uh, givers if they want to be involved in this particular space? It's both. I think it, it will help for just funding, but you also, for example, um, for example, in the Western Cape, we have a wheat industry museum that works with, with agribusiness to, um, to promote agri-tourism. So there are opportunities, but, but that will be very specific to the museum. Um, so one has to look at, at um, economic spheres that, that have some sort of link to you. Mm. Um, I know that you've had also interviews with, with other organizations in, in the creative industries. I think we need to support each other more. Um, we have to, have to find support amongst um, CBOs. Museums have spaces that have halls, and um, I think we have to see how we can help each other. Partnerships is going to be very key in the future. 
And of course, I mean, some have had those partnerships with schools and um, other, you know, uh, community movements, hosting events in those museums yeah. and, and so on. So I suppose you are saying this has to happen. But given that we are still dealing with the episode of COVID-19, it might actually be quite a way out to have that happening. What would be the survivalist form now for museums going forward, Helen, under the current uh, uncertainties of COVID-19? Um, for the moment, um, museums are open, but under restrictions. Um, and I think it, it, it's different from different museums. Government museums are, uh, government-funded museums are surviving because their salaries are paid by government. Mm. Uh, there's been budget cuts, but they keep their doors open. The museums that are struggling are those that are depending on interest fees. Um, even if they do um, draw a lot of people, um, you have limited numbers because of the COVID regulation. So they are the ones that are really struggling. Um, and I don't think, I, I must be honest, I don't know how they're going to work around it. Um, some of the museums have been very creative, but they will have to find other sources than just um, industries. And um, I think one of the, the challenges at the moment is that while we're doing a lot of things online, um, it kind of destroyed our income streams because most of these webinars are for free. So we have to rethink about how how we can use um, online events as an income stream. I think that's that's the next challenge is is to um, create, um, generate funds through online um, events. Okay. Helen, thank you so much for joining us this morning here on Power Talk. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Okay. That's President of South African Museums Association, Helen Folkraff, joining us just to talk through on this International Day of Museums. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.